Hello and welcome to Geeks Unleashed, this episode 130. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. And continuing on from our previous episode, the sort of we're getting two episodes this week for, for nothing. Yeah, and it's a super one special. Yeah, there you go. So basically this week we're just reviewing Across the Spider-Verse, but we'll chat about more there in a minute. Do you want to chat yeah. about YouTube? Yeah. So if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We would also love it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We would also love it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse 2023 is written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, Dave Callahan, uh, Callahan, uh, directed by Jacqueline Dos... Joaquin. Oh, God, yeah. Right, right, anyway... (laughs) Uh, Kemp Powers, Justin K. Thompson, um, the, the Joaquin name isn't obviously as, as familiar to me being in England, so <laughs> anyway, based on Miles Morales by Marvel Comics. And it stars most of the same people from the first one and some new faces. We got Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree, Henry, Laura Luna, uh, Luna Lauren Velez, Jake Johnson, Jason Schwartzman, Issa Rae, Karen Sony, Shay Wingham, Breda Lee, Daniel Kaluuya, Mahershala Ali, and Oscar Isaac. Um, right, okay, so we're going to just go through a few first We got a lot of characters to cover. So we're not, we'll just see how it goes. Right, first appearance <clears throat> of Miles Morales was from Ultimate Fallout issue 4 from August 2011 by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pichelli. And then we've got Dr. Spot, I mean Spot or Dr. Jonathan Ahn, uh, his first appearance. It was an unnamed man in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 97, uh, which was December of 1984. And then the spot appeared in the Spectacular Spider-Man number 98 in January of 85. Uh, spot was created by Al Migram and Herb Trimp. Jessica Drew's first appearance was Marvel Spotlight, issue 32 from February 1970, uh, sorry, 1977, created by Archie Goodwin and Marie Severin. And then we've got Pavatir Pavakar, whose first appearance was in November of 2004. In Spider-Man number one, and Spider-Man India, the issue number one, uh, Puppeteer was created by Javon Kang, Suresh Sitharaman, and Saraha De- Devarjavan. Hobie Brown was for, um, <clears throat> first appearance was The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 10, January 2015. He's the newest. Dan- <laughs> uh, created by Dan Slott, Oliver Coppell. Do you know what? I've got that comic. So. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, I that'd be fun for show and tell. As I was reading it, I just remembered I've got that. So anyway. And then we've got Miguel O'Hara, whose first appearance it was a preview um, in The Amazing Spider-Man number 365, which was 1992. And then his first full appearance was in Spider-Man 2099, number one, his own book, um, was in November of 92. Um, oh, and he was created by Peter David and Rick Leonardi. So Spider-Gwen, annoyingly, um, I did have the first appearance of Spider-Gwen. I do not have it anymore because I'm an idiot. Anyway, <laughs> right. So Spider Gwen is based off of Gwen Stacy, which was created by Stan Lee and Steve, Steve Ditko. And that was <clears> a long <throat> time ago. Mm-hmm. However, the first appearance of Spider Gwen was in Edge of Spider Verse issue two, September 2014, created by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. I bought that and I sold it not long after I bought it. Didn't really care about it, not realizing that to get the first appearance is probably like 500 quid now. So. Yeah. Especially now, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, yeah, now would be a terrible time to buy it. Right, anyway, yeah. Uh, j- release date is January the 2nd, 2023. June. 
sorry, June, sorry, June, June the 2nd, 2023, uh, which was only two weeks ago. So yeah. Running time of 117 minutes, budget of 100 million. So far within two weeks, it's made 300 million. That is wild to me because the first film made 384 million in its entire run. And this film has made $300 million in 10 days. 10 days. It'll, it'll definitely make more. I think it's going to hit. I think it's probably going to be about $700 million when it when it's all said and done. I think it's going to make twice as much as the first film. We'll see. All right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. fun fact number one about this film. I had no idea. I thought this was crazy. Uh, production on this film, Across the Spider-Verse, completed. 13 days before the film was released 13 days which to me is crazy because i used to be a projectionist um for amc theaters way back in the day and it's like how is that enough time for you to produce film and get it distributed to your theaters so i'm assuming nowadays most theaters are running off of digital projectors and not necessarily the mylar projectors anymore um but 13 days does not seem like enough time to distribute everything but i guess it has to all be digital at this point so I thought that was insane. 13 days before the release date. And they're like, we're still working on it. We're almost there. I promise. They, they must have been stressed out. Boy. That is some, an understatement, I'm sure. They must have like, been working some long hours. So. I hope those people like do yoga or like drink tea, like something. Like find a way to de-stress because I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you were paid. nothing but stressed. I'm sure they got paid well. well or I doubt that they got paid well. Well, they got a lot of overtime, <clears> I'm sure. So yeah hopefully hopefully so <clears throat> all right so another fun fact each earth that we go to in this film has a distinct style um and probably the most interesting one is gwen's world which is earth 65 hers is like this watercolor world but the director said that they wanted it to be active in such a way that her world reacted to her emotions. So when you are watching this film and you are in Gwen's earth, like the color palette changes based on the way that she is feeling. And I thought that that was so freaking cool. Um, but again, every earth that we go to is distinct. It has its own distinct style. So hers is very watercolor. Everything is soft, lots of blurred <coughs> edges. Um, <clears throat> but the fact that hers is like a mood ring, I was just like, that is way too cool. Um, so, okay, last one. In the previous film, we had said that there were 177 animators. It took 177 animators to complete the film. Well, this film, Across the Spider-Verse, and then the third film that is coming next year, Beyond the Spider-Verse, they were working on both films at the same time. They got the Lord of the Rings thing going on, right? They're working on both of these big-ass films at the same time. In order to do that, the number of animators that have touched this film hit 1,000. So we went from 177 in the first film to 1,000 animators in this film. And they said that was mainly because each of these spider people that they brought to the screen had to have their unique comic look. So all these people, and 90% of them don't have any speaking roles ever all of them had to have their own unique style. So they had to keep bringing in more and more and more people to get this film done. A thousand people, a thousand. That's like six times more people than worked on the last one. I did, That is just like insane. Obviously, this is the biggest, biggest, biggest animator crew of 
any animated film that has ever been released. So I am, I don't know, man, this like based on the way that they did this film, I have extremely high hopes for the third one at this point. I mean, I guess for the example of animators probably goes in line with the number of spider characters. Yeah, because there's a ton. I know we um, uh, mentioned a few appearances at the beginning of the movie, but we didn't uh, cover off every single one. No, I don't think Um, we'd we'd be here all week. All right. Anyway, so summary of this movie. Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its existence or its very existence from... Sorry, when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. <clears> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, so you mentioned it already about Gwen's Earth. So, I, I be honest, I watched a couple of trailers, but I tried not to watch too many. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't want to ruin it too much myself. The movie itself is two and a half hours long almost, uh, which I think is probably slightly too long. Yeah, uh, it was a bit. I, I, I think. On paper, it's long. In the film, I didn't feel it. I checked my watch after we got the opening sequence because it was like it was almost 30 minutes from the cold open before we got the actual opening sequence. Um, So when we got the opening credits, that's when I checked my watch and then I didn't check my watch again until the credits rolled. Like I never noticed the time. So I went with both my daughters and they didn't didn't enjoy this movie as much as the first one. Mm -hmm. And and I think a lot of that was to do with the complexities of this movie. The first yeah. one was a lot easier to follow. It was only mm-hmm. set on one Earth. And whilst it had characters from multiple Earths come to one Earth, it was easier to follow. I think in this movie, it jumped around on different Earths. Mm-hmm. And there was so many characters. My nine-year-old was constantly turning to me, like, what's going on now? What's going yeah. on now? What's going on? Like, you know, how is this person here? Like, And uh, it probably maybe was just, you know, Maybe she needs to watch it again. You know, she she said she's not actually bothered. She said she loves the first one, not as bothered about the second. Um, <laughs> I, I so as a person, as a viewer, as you know, myself, I really loved it. Yeah, but I kind of get why somebody younger, as a nine year old, yeah, yeah, would find this slightly. It more it was more complicated um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. There was a lot more talking in this one, but there was also a lot more higher level conversations mm. in this one than there were in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, in summary, again, I love this movie. I thought it was really well done. Um, I love <clears> it. It, it, it. To me, though, I probably actually my only real criticism of this film is it's not really a Miles movie. Like, yeah, it's it, almost a Gwen movie. Well, it, it's more. It's you know, it's a shared. You know, he he is the title character, mm-hmm. and and he is the turning point of this film towards the end where. Um, you know, they talk about something that's going to happen to him, which kind of twists the narrative of the movie. It's shaped around him, but it's also shaped around Gwen. It's less of a Miles movie. I, I My only real thing would have been, could they not maybe have stuck a second movie between this, the first one and the second one, and maybe had a more Miles-focused movie on his Earth mm. without the Spider-Verse <clears throat> stuff? Mm-hmm. This, 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 to me, feels like a Spider-Verse. It is a Spider-Verse trilogy, not really now miles trilogy Mm -hmm. that's probably my only real is that your main character kind of gets lost in now we talked about this like the first film did a really good job of keeping everybody in focus but this one even miles kind of gets lost in the cacophony of all of the spider people 
So <laughs> I, look, I do love the fact that Gwen gets more uh, screen time. Um, our other characters from the first movie, even Peter P. Parker is hardly in this movie. Mm. Um, Spider Noir is not in the movie until right at the very last second. Mm. Uh, Peter Parker just gets a little mention at the end. Penny, I think, gets two scenes. Yeah. So the first cast is kind of just pushed aside. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. Aunt, Aunt May moves to Florida. Um, so it's Miles and Gwen. Now with kind of a new cast. And yeah. We get a lot more background on Gwen, which is nothing wrong with that uh, at all. But, but really, to me, this isn't really now the Miles trilogy I thought it was going to be. It's mm-hmm. more of a multiverse trilogy. There's, I get, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think I think it's great. I think it would have been just, in my opinion, good to have maybe had a second movie focused purely on Miles and seen more of him on his own before yeah. we jump straight back into well here's a whole load of other characters okay i can see that i can Um, see that but look i've got no no problem with it i I love the film i think it's great i think i think it's the animation is brilliant they do some really fun stuff they step up the animation again from the previous movie and they do some more unique takes on things Uh, like you said with gwen's earth with the lego earth which was cool um do you know for the lego one they actually recruited a 14 year old to do that world because there was a 14 year old kid who built an entire Lego set based on the first film. And they were so impressed. The powers that be were so impressed that they went and they told their people, go find this kid. We want to talk to him. And they brought him on and he was the one that designed the Lego world. I had heard that. Yeah. 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 That is so cool. Um, but no, look, overall, in, yeah, in summary, I thought it was brilliant. I thought this movie was epic. <coughs> it t- ticked all the right beats in terms mm-hmm. of epic proportions. So this was, you know, up there with Endgame and Infinity War, just an animated movie. And just honestly, and the build up, the final 20 minutes was like phenomenal. You could see where it was going, like beat by beat by beat. I was like, they really were on the edge of your seat the last 20 minutes. It really got, it went from, um, if you focus on the beginning, like Gwen and, and then Miles and the family dynamics between them all and Gwen meeting his family, and then suddenly then you get the epicness. It's like gradual build-up, and then the last 20 minutes was just amazing. Like, uh, I was real edge of my seat, and I, I knew there was a second movie, or well, a third movie coming next year, so I wasn't entirely sure this was going to end on a cliffhanger or not, but I, as, as it was going, I was like, this 100% is ending to be continued, 100%. I never considered that. I, I knew there was a third film. I had no idea that the third film was coming out so quickly, um, but also, like, I did not expect, I did not expect that ending at all, at all. Like, so I'm sitting in my seat, and, like, the screen goes black, and I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, I knew it. I like, I actually, so my nine-year-old had been talking to me throughout most of the film. I said to her, it will end with To Be Continued. And when it ended with To Be Continued, she was like, oh, daddy, you said it was going to be. I was like, yeah, I could see see where this was going. So, but yeah. So no, just, yeah. What what do you think overall? I, it was bigger than I thought, Um, which, which is not a bad thing. I, it was much bigger. It was a, a deeper story. It brought in, a storyline that uh, that caught me off guard. I had never expected what we got. Like I, it never occurred to me that the reason that that spider had the forty two on its belly was because it was meant for a different Earth. Mm-hmm. Never that never crossed my mind when I was watching the first Spider Verse film. I just assumed 
because the spider was created in a lab, like they just numbered it because they number all of the animals in the lab. Um, so when they explained that Miles was never supposed to have been bitten in his universe because that spider belonged to a different Earth. That for me was just like a holy shit kind of moment. Like it was just that opened up this whole other can of worms. And once they introduced that, like then it became a far more interesting story because it was like in the first film, we have Miles accepting that he now has this new responsibility and he needs to take it a bit more seriously. But in this film, it turns into, oh, by the way, you were never supposed to have this in the first place. Like you're a mistake. And like the fact that they actually said that he was a mistake, I was just like, oh, hell no. Like he's got to come back and show everybody like this was not a mistake. Like I am Spider-Man and y'all can He's almost got to come back hard, harder than yeah, the first time. exactly. Like, exactly. Because the first time they all had doubts about him being able to stop Kingpin. And yeah. now it's like an even bigger doubt is actually like you weren't even meant to be a hero. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I just think that that is such a crappy way to find out. So like I thought them introducing that entire storyline of your mistake really elevated this movie. And like it, it to me, it elevated it within the film. Like when it, when the film first started, it's kind of like you're struggling, you're having a hard time, like you're fighting these villains, but you're not doing it so great. Like you really got a lot of work to do. Like it's obvious that you miss having a mentor. Um, but then when he finds out this piece of information, now it's a whole other layer of not only do I have to prove that I'm worthy, but like I have to prove to myself that I am not a mistake. Like I mm. am Spider-Man. Um, and so I think when we hit that point where he now has to prove he is Spider-Man and I feel like he's definitely doing it for himself. Like he wants to save his father and he wants to be the hero that he is because he did get bit by the spider um it just it really kicked it into like another gear for me so it was like it was really interesting because the movie was coasting for i would say maybe like the first hour and then we get to that point and it's just like it's almost like this this film went supersonic like it just mm. went from going along to like speed of sound it and it just I, I, like there are very few movies to me that do that to where you get that boost within the film. Usually it happens at the end of a film and into the next film, whereas this time it was this film used its own storyline to propel it forward. And I thought that that was phenomenal storytelling, like the way that they held off on that piece of information and how that piece of information then set up the back half of the film. That was so so well done. I think, I think I agree with everything you're saying. By the way, hundred um, percent. And the 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 casting on this is is huge. The yeah. characters on this is is epic. Like bigger. This is like bigger than an Avengers movie. It like, felt like it. Yeah. If this was live action, flip it, heck. Like, uh, if this was live action, this would have been a three hundred million dollar budget film. Uh, yeah, they would have been much bigger. Well, and also probably would draw in more as well. Um, do you have a favorite character? Okay, so I split this into two ways. We got favorite characters that actually had screen time and then favorite characters that are just like blips. Yeah. So like my favorite blip character <laughs> was the flipping guy in the horse. Like the, the guy riding the horse and both of them have a Spider-Man mask on. And I'm like, oh, yeah. and then Miles is like, why does the horse have a mask? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know who that guy was. I can't remember his name at all. But I was just like, for some reason, like the first person that popped into my head was Jonah Hex. And I was uh, like, this guy 100% reminds me of Jonah Hex. Like, I know I'm crossing over into DC at this point. But like, that just was wild to me. Like, this, the horse had the mask on. I was like, okay, this, you're, I don't know who you are, but you're my favorite. You're my favorite, like, random spider person character. So that was my favorite non, well, he had a speaking part, but like, that was my favorite non- main character and my favorite new character so if i'm not gonna pick miles or gwen because they would be my two um my favorite new character was definitely spider punk oh yeah yeah spider Punk. because he was like it was kind of hard to figure out where he stood because he was part of the team but at the same time he was like fuck the team (laughs) how can you be both man how can you be both like yeah go team and then at the same time fuck the man i don't know that was so he, his like dichotomy was really interesting to me but also like the way that he inspired miles and he was like you got to put your whole palm not just your fingertips um and so i really like that hobie came through and turned out to be like the guy that was secretly helping and leaving all of these clues for everybody along the way to get to the ending that we got for for this part so i'm super interested to see what we get with hobie and spider punk like in the next one because i feel like he he played a big role in the sense that he was the one that planted all the seeds for both miles and gwen in this film so i want to see what we do or what kind of role he has like in the next film but yeah spider punk was my favorite i I, do not they had a spider punk comic miniseries that came out last year and i Mm -hmm. I never picked it up and um uh, now to buy those comics are a little bit pricey because of the movie so i might just get i might get the graphic novel or something um you, you actually did you want to mention here because I know you put a comment on our um, little notes about the um, live action. Did you want to talk about that? Oh, okay. I what annoys me, and it's not the film's fault, but like all of the people behind the scenes, they're always so adamant and they're so loud about this film is not connected to the MCU. Why do you keep saying that? But you still have all of these freaking MCU references in your film. They had Donald Glover like they actually had Donald Glover, not animated, but a live action Donald Glover in his Prowler costume. And when we met Donald Glover in Far From Home in Spider-Man Far From Home uh, as Aaron. Um, But like he was not in costume or anything like that. But him and Peter Parker have like a run in. It's very low key. It's nothing big. But like we do have Donald Glover in jail in the Spider-Verse people uh, in his Prowler costume. We have flashbacks to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. We have flashbacks to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. We have flashbacks to No Way Home. Miguel O'Hara even makes a reference to Doctor Strange and Peter Parker from No Way Home. Um, Yet we still have the writers and the directors saying that this film has nothing to do with the MCU. And it's like, this is stupid. This is stupid. Why, Why can't you be connected? You don't have to be directly tying in but like obviously you are connected you are making all of these references you're using all of these characters like that's a connection i assume because they have to pay disney money that's probably why they're saying it but i guess but it's it's annoying because it's like you're saying one thing but like your film is doing something different um but on on that aside i thought it was really cool and my favorite of all of these live action little cameos was (laughs) when spot goes to Venom's world and talks to Mrs. Chen, who is the convenience store owner that uh, 
Eddie and Venom go and see all the time. Uh, and she, like, this guy opens up a portal. He has no face. He sticks his head out of the portal. And she does not react at all. And even Spot is like, this seems very normal to you. And she's like, you have no idea (laughs) the kind of shit that goes on in my world. Um, So I just thought that that was really funny. So Mrs. Chen and the convenience store and and the Venom world crossing over into Spider-Verse. That was my favorite of the live action uh, cameos, just because she just has that face where she's just like, there is nothing that could happen to me that would surprise me at this point when I have seen a guy eat a guy's head off in my store. (laughs) Like, (laughs) <laughs> nothing nothing so I'll, I'll it's admit, fine I, mr no face man <laughs> when i saw miss chen come in i was like it i i it was only after the film that i realized who she was i completely went blank it yeah. threw me off i was like this woman looks familiar oh, yeah but anyway um i'll go through characters i'll be honest with you the main characters i think gwen really stood out for me yeah i think mainly because we've got her background this time around well yeah. we got it in summary in the last film but, yeah. it was but she was the first time. 30 minutes of this film yeah, it was it was all around Gwen, and and this is why to me it was like this is, wasn't a Miles movie. So yeah, um, I, I love the fact. Uh, to be honest, though, I do love the fact that we get Gwen, and we get we get so much Gwen, mm-hmm. and getting her background, finding out that her best friend died, and and uh, seeing the relationship between her and her father, and mm-hmm. the mask revealed to her father, and how he wants to then arrest her and, and how she ends up joining this sort of multi-universe spider team and mm-hmm. which is really cool um and then i love the fact that she is kind of one of these a- agent people and ends up back on mars's earth and um mm-hmm. and you can see that she's up to no good keeping stuff from him and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that so um but yeah so no i think i, I think it was she for me is one of the, my favorites there. Now you you obviously said of the ra- random spider person uh, favorites, so there was a lot of cameos from multiple different Spider-Man. I know who you're gonna pick. And um, now I didn't feel that they betrayed him as well as I would have liked. Um, I didn't feel he was portrayed as well as I I would have had him portray. Um, however, the Scarlet Spider. Yes. Get, getting... As soon as they called him Ben Riley, I was like, "Oh my God, Mark is going to have a fit." Ben Riley oh. is his favorite. <laughs> right, so, well, not at the moment. They've turned him into a bad guy in the comics now. I'm oh, not, okay, okay. Not not as keen on that, but yeah. So, but so anyone listening, Ben Riley was the Spider Man that I went into when. Um, That's when you picked up comics for the first time. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. So, right, okay, so. Um, uh i loved all that live action stuff as well that they brought in andrew garfield and toby mcguire donald glover and, and everyone like that i thought that was great uh but of all of those things i don't know i'm probably gonna agree with you mrs chen was probably the best mm-hmm. it was the funniest in all honesty yes so, to me it was yeah <laughs> um i'll be honest so right you've put here the next thing to talk about music um there's so much going on. I don't think I really walked out of there thinking too much about the music. Yeah, I feel like they didn't utilize it the same way that they did in the first film. Like, no. it's still there. Um, and it, but I think this time they relied more heavily on the actual score. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of instrumentals that get you through this film. And I think the instrumentals are still fantastic. Uh, but the soundtrack itself didn't have that same kind of impact on the film that it did in the first one. I think that this film is so heavy on the character development that they didn't actually have time to kind of use the music to move you through the film the way that they did in the first one. Yeah. 
I think the first one was very much a street level movie. Yeah, yeah, it had a big moment at the end, but it was much more grounded. Yeah, as grounded as these things can be. This right. one, this one, and this is this again comes back to my whole thing. I feel like it was a bit run and jump. So mm-hmm. I, f- I just feel like we could have just done one more movie between. But anyway, right? Okay, so the structure on the movie. <clears throat> Honestly, I've got no problem with the structure of this movie. I, I think it was done really well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I loved getting more about Gwen, and and then also seeing Gwen and Miles meeting up again. Was it almost a year and a half later? I love the slow sort of romance that's going between the two of them and the character development. Um, yeah, that romance blossoming between these two, which is quite <laughs> nice. Uh, but and then I, I, to be honest, I'm always a huge fan of multiverse stories. I love the fact that we ended up in. Mumbai, Manhattan. And yeah, Mumbai. Like, yeah, Mumbai or whatever you want to call it. And I just love all the different spider characters that we're getting. Yeah. I don't feel, um, just what we're talking about, I don't feel that they portrayed Miguel O'Hara as he probably is in the comics. I feel like he's a bit more of a nicer guy. Than, okay. Um, I don't think he, I think the comic book version of him wouldn't do what this one's doing. But that, I'm not, I'll be honest, I've not read as many Miles comics, but I have read some. Uh-huh. Not Miles, sorry, uh, Miguel comics. Oh, aren't and... they supposed to be redoing the Ultimate Universe? Something about Jonathan Hickman coming back and he's taking over Ultimates? Uh, there is an Ultimate event coming up this year, but I, um, I think it's called Ultimate Invasion or something. I'll, I'll mm. be honest with you, I don't know that much about it. So, um, But no, look, I, in terms of the film, look, actually, in the film itself, I've actually got no problem with it. I think they've actually done it really well. I think it was yeah. structured really well. I think there was a gradual <clears> build-up to that climax. And that's why I think we got quite a long movie because there was a lot to cover to make it, yeah, to invest us more, I suppose. So, um, if they were to do spin-offs of this movie, I would love to see a Hobie Brown movie. Yeah, like that would be, That'd cool. be nice. I wonder how. That's why I said I wonder how much Hobie we're gonna get in the third one because I feel like yeah. he's gonna be like a major, major character um, mm. in the third film. So. I'm excited to see uh, where that goes. I also, also I thought it was so. really cool that they brought in Insomniac Games as Spider-Man. So we did get like a video game Spider-Man in this film as well. I honestly think Sony and Disney should chat to each other about some sort of uh, Spider-Verse um, TV show because I don't think they can do a TV show. I think I don't think they've got the rights to do Spider-Man. TV yeah. Shows. Now, so. Phil Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller had been talking about doing some kind of TV show. Like they've been talking about a TV show for this spider-verse since about 2015 or so so i think that those talks are happening they just got to figure out how they're gonna make it work but i think especially with how well the animation is done in this film also but like how well received the what if series was on disney plus like Mm -hmm. i think there is room for animation like there's room for especially this spider-verse to have some kind of animated series to go Mm -hmm. with it yeah, um, before we talk about actually that, just finish off this. Did you have any favorite scenes from this movie at all? Um, I really think one of my favorite scenes was on that train on uh twenty ninety nine Earth, Nueva York. Um, when <coughs> after the big reveal and Miguel is like, "Look, dude, you're a mistake, and we can't let you leave." And Miles is just like, yeah, I might have been a mistake, but I sure managed to get every spider person out of headquarters. And like the look on Miguel's face when he realizes that Miles actually had a plan the whole time. 
that the look on his face was like oh shit whereas the look on peter b parker's face was like that's my guy like yeah that's that's my that's my miles um i <laughs> loved that sequence of miles kind of being like i don't care what you say i am spider-man i'm gonna get back to my earth and i'm gonna save my dad <laughs> So that sequence, I loved it. I loved when it was like, just when you think he's beaten, he's like, no, man, I had a plan all along. Like I lured everybody out and now I'm going back and I'm going to use that go home machine, which so stupidly named, but I'm using the go home machine and I'm going to go home and save my dad. Um, But also like what my one pet peeve with this film is if uncle Aaron already died, why does his dad have to die too? Like, why does that have to become a canon thing? Like he already lost his person. Why yeah. did why did why does he have to lose two people? I couldn't I, know, that, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. I, know, I think that was obviously done to create a to create the conflict. Yeah, yeah to create the conflict. But yeah, I don't see why you necessarily would have to have that happen. But then if you look at the Peter Parker that we've read in the comics for all these years, Peter Parker has lost so many. You know, he's lost Gwen Stacy, he's lost Gwen's dad. He's lost Uncle Ben. I mean, he's lost, you know, even Harry Osborne mm-hmm. repeatedly amount of he's lost Harry Osborne several times. Yeah. Um Peter Parker's lost a lot of people, you know, to keep really pushing that whole great responsibility thing going. Um, but Peter Parker's life is built with tragedy, tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe just unfortunately the way the spider crumbles is that you get tragedy wherever you go. So I don't, I don't necessarily see yeah i do see what your point is like if we've already had one yeah tra- tragedy which has kind of pushed him down the hero world why do we need another tragedy to push him down that world i think it was just for conflict for this movie so. yeah that i mean that's what it felt like so that to me that's the only kind of plot point that didn't really fit because all of these other spider people that we meet in this film they all had the one mm-hmm. they all had the one gwen had peter parker peter b parker had Uncle Ben, or, you know, so many of them had Uncle Ben. I mean, they kept saying like, about the cap- Captain thing. I think they all said something like Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what they were getting at because even Peter Parker lost Gwen's dad, like, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Anyway, there we go. So um, my favorite scene, I'll be honest, was just the whole last 20 minutes when Gwen, mm-hmm. when he uses the go home machine. But yeah. he actually ends up, he ends up on another Earth that isn't yes. the Earth. It's here, it goes to where the spider came from, not where right. he came from. And yeah. Gwen goes to his earth, and you. I love that they flip the scenes, like literally yeah. go go between where Gwen and Miles is, and you realise that Gwen, uh, Miles actually is actually on the earth of the spider where the spider came from. Yeah, and it and it ends with him meeting the Miles of that earth. Right, and you get to see the journey that. Well, you don't get to see the journey, but you get to see where that Miles ended up without yeah. becoming Spider Man. He's the so, Prowler. Yeah, he's the Prowler. So. I love that whole build-up. It was done so well. And yeah. then it just ends with that too. We continued. I was like, damn boy, I knew where that was going. So oh man, yeah. Um, anyway, the future of Miles Morales. So gonna wrap that up there, chat about uh, that movie there, but the future of Miles. So, firstly, what do you think about how they ended it on a cliffhanger? And then the next thing we get is beyond the spider-verse. I thought that they ended it well because it seems like Miles has become more aware of his abilities and you can tell, you can tell he's about to do that venom thing, like that mm-hmm. electroshock thing oh, yeah, um, yeah, to get out of those chains. Yeah. Um, so I am very interested to see how he handles himself when he is in a place that he cannot get out of. 
he doesn't have one of those watches. Like he can't leave this universe mm -hmm. until someone comes to get him. So I'm very interested to see how he handles that, um, getting away from them. But also, how is he going to handle like having to fight his uncle? Because he's going to have to fight his uncle. I don't think he's as concerned about fighting himself, but he's going to have to fight Uncle Aaron, I think, in, in this world. And I am really interested to see what that looks like because he loved his uncle so much. Like, but even though this guy is not the uncle that he knows, like, I think he's going to have a really hard time fighting his uncle. So I want to see how that plays out. But also, like, I want to see Gwen's band of spider people come in and just, like, raise hell. Like, I am so excited to see that as oh, well. Yeah, so see that, that, yeah, that ends for her getting sort of the band back together kind of thing. Yeah, so she got all the old guys back. She got Penny, she got Noir, she got Porker, she got Peter B. Parker. She also has Hobie. She has uh, the AI girl. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then there, I think there was someone else. I can't remember, but I think there might have been one other spider person that she had with her. So I, I like that she has decided I don't care what Miguel says, like, I'm going to help my friend. Mm -hmm. And that's just the end of it. And whatever happens because of that happens. But I'm not I'm I'm done listening to you tell me how the Spider-Verse is supposed to look. Mm -hmm. So the other piece of news that we've heard is uh, there's a rumor mm -hmm. going mm -hmm. around that they they're going to make a live action Miles Morales movie well i think they are trying to do a live action tv series oh is that what it is TV series? i think so i think so i think that's the rumor so it's supposed to happen supposedly after the trilogy is completed um and i am so interested to see what kind of casting we get because you can't use the characters that have voiced these guys so you're gonna have to recast everything um but i am uh, I am so intrigued. I'm so intrigued to see what we can do with a live action Spider-Verse, like a Miles Morales is it, is it, world. I, mean, I, I don't know. Did you, do, or do you think it's going to carry on from this movie? Like, or do you think it'll be its, its own thing? I think it would have to. I think they're going to... Because they're gonna, they, I don't think they're going to want to start over. So yeah. I think it's going to be a carry on from the films, like from the film trilogy. Um, but also like the other rumor is that there's supposed to be a spider woman series with all of the different oh, spider yeah. women with Gwen and Jessica drew. Um, also like when Jessica drew popped up and she was a black and B pregnant. I was like, I have never in all my years of watching hero films, seen a pregnant superhero. Like what? This is crazy. Like I thought that was wild that we I got know, a pregnant Jessica drew. I know the, the the white Jessica Drew has had a baby in the comics, so I know that. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, what'd you rate this out of five? Five. Yeah, I know. Me too. Five. I mean, I, I rated the last one a six, so I got, I'm giving this one a five. So, <laughs> <clears throat> right next episode. So you will have to wait a normal yeah. amount of time now. Next episode, we are going to review our first TV show of the year. It's been a lot. It's weird that we've done movies all year. So Yeah, we have. Ne next episode, we will be reviewing Sweet Tooth Season 2. So I know it came out a couple of weeks ago, but we are going to go back and catch it. So yeah. we did review Season 1, and we've read the first 20 issues probably about a year and a half ago now. So yeah. So we can catch those. Um, We're completely changing gears. 
Yeah. So you can follow us on social media. We're Geeks Unleashed everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We're everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And have a good week. Good journey. Good journey, indeed. (laughs) 